0: De-, De Colores Radio.
1: De-, De-, De Colores Radio.
2: Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio, episode 100. Woo! I can't believe I'm saying that. I think my my brain has not fully processed um, that, one, we've made it this far, and two, um, this is our second to last episode ever. So um, we are really excited to have made it to the triple digits, and I'm so grateful to be with you all once more here on our journey. Um, I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and this is The Colores Radio. As I mentioned, this is our second to last episode of all time. We want to thank you all, our listeners, our community, for joining us along the way. This has been a real dream come true. Not only have we made it to episode 100, but we continued growing throughout our journey. We've met and connected with so many incredible people and had so many amazing experiences we never would have imagined when we first came together about this collective in January of 2017. With that, I'd like to start with another big announcement. Yes, we're celebrating our final episode with, uh, actually we're celebrating today's episode with some local legends and incredible guests. But if you can, as I mentioned episode 101, because I'm excited, um, we actually would love to celebrate that episode with you. Yes, this is breaking news in person, episode 101, our final episode of De Colores Radio will be recorded live in front of an audience at the Arts Mission Oak Cliff Space on December 2nd, um, and we really want you to be there, so we're very, very excited. We have not done a De Colores Radio event since twenty. 20- 19, I believe. So this is a really huge deal because COVID deeply impacted us. And we were very serious about um, taking COVID precautions and moving very carefully. Um, So we're really excited to be ending this podcast in person live with you all, um, as we used to do often uh, prior to COVID. So hopefully you can make it there. Please look to our website and our social media for information. And we're really excited to be um, ending the podcast with you all live. Uh, Then we can also point you to our website, DeColoresCo.com or our social at DeColoresCo, which is where you'll get all the information for tickets, merch, upcoming newsletters, and anything else. And as we've seen Uh, what happens with Twitter, we have to stay connected beyond social media, y'all, because these platforms are ever-evolving in real time, and we are just so grateful to have met and or connected or to have been heard by you all um, over the last almost six years. So just wanted to start with that because that's really exciting to us. So we're hopefully going to see you at Arts Mission O'Cliff on December 2nd in the evening, here in Oak Cliff, Texas. So we're really, really happy to be finishing strong episode 101 of De Colores Radio with you all in person. Uh, let me remind you all that you can, of course, support us directly and get exclusive access and content at patreon.com slash Colores Co. This is where you can find the full, raw, unedited video version of this episode and all the ones we recorded over the last year and a half. Um, For as little as $3 a month, you can be a squirrel friend, homie, or ride or die today. This helps us to become a sustainable platform, which is, of course, our goal. The podcast might be ending, but we are not. There is much more work to be done, and we appreciate your support. Now, I think I can take a breath and bring my sister up pat the where are you at look at me cat in the hat i'm rhyming
3: what the heck hello sis how are you how are you doing you, are you know
2: it's been a really interesting time but currently i'm feeling grateful and present i am having a bit of a sore throat at the moment so bear with me but i am feeling a lot of gratitude in this moment how about you
3: We'll drink your teas and we did it. Look, we made it to 100. We're here. Woo! I
2: know. I can't believe it. It's kind of unreal, to be honest.
3: I know. I was like even just looking at like entering 100. I was like, wow, we really are here.
2: Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a long time coming.
3: Yeah, no, totally. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Definitely looking forward to the weekend for a lot of rest and yeah, pretty much rest and just art stuff. I'm really excited. I'm going to go to some hot springs. So
2: rest and hot springs sounds like a dream. I would love to do that. Uh, You know, in Texas, the weather went from 80 to 40 in like less than 24 hours. I was wearing chunk glass and now I have (laughs) all my coats out. So I definitely wish we could uh, go soak in nature's goodness. Um, But I'm glad to hear you're doing that and Prioritizing rest because everyone I know is feeling the end of the year rush already and we definitely need um, to just breathe. Totally. I'm definitely
3: still feeling it. I'm just trying to consciously make an effort to, to get rest. And to stay hydrated and to drink my teas. I've been making sure to drink my teas more now, too, especially, like, since the temperatures are colder and, like, all the the germs are floating around and COVID's still out here. We got to take care of ourselves. I know. It is
2: very scary. Scary times. And we're doing the best we can. That's really all I can say for that. Um, With that, I think we can describe ourselves now in the best way we know how. It's time for mm. me mood. Ben I want to give, give you our listeners into an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into, into the... the reality of our existence. Thank you. <laughs> this is what I consider the modern day diary. We're it's time for me mood. <laughs> I I got I got ahead of myself. I said the end of the line at the beginning. <laughs> Pat, give me like, your meme mood, please. You're like I'm ready for the wrap, man. It's 100 <laughs> episodes. I'm time to retire. It's, it's, it's getting there. So funny
3: enough, the original meme that I was going to use, I realized what your meme was, and then I was like, oh, these are too similar. So we're gonna, I'm gonna have to switch it up. What was it? <laughs> so I'll explain mine first, and then um, explain it what it what it originally was going to be. Um, before you sh- share yours. So like I said, I'm trying to prioritize my rest and care. Holidays, time's coming, the freaking end of the year's here. I'm I'm getting tired. My body's like, um, please rest. Please don't make yourself do stuff, right. go outside. I've been trying to make sure to go to the bosque at least once a week, that's been really nice. I did like a little meditation moment there. Um, so my picture is Marge Simpson. Lathering herself, the bubble bath in the tub, with her Sunday, her shot of whiskey
2: and a beer. I and, was, I was wondering if that's what it was, but I was like, maybe not.
3: You know, whiskey might be. I don't know, germ season. Maybe any like vodka, something clean out the those germs in your. sound I don't like know, maybe you need some tequila. <laughs> but I know for sure, I'm not necessarily having all those things. I I have been indulging on my ice creams. You know, I love a good ice cream. I had my mint chocolate chip the other day, had my blankie on. Like I said, I'm going to the hot spring. So I'm going to be soaking in some nice water, getting all the healing properties. Mm. So I'm just trying to make this meme affirm that I will be having a lot of rest towards this end of this year, especially as we wrap the show. We'll be taking care of ourselves. So that was my that's my meme mood is Marge Simpson resting and doing her self-care moment. The meme I was originally going to use was actually a meme that I've, like, saved a while back. And it's Lizzo in, leaving the airport with the, the like, sleeping patch on her eyes, the, uh-huh. like, silk one. And then she's holding a teddy bear because, you know, I'd be carrying my plush Benito to sleep at night. Right. And and her, like, fluffy, like, jacket. And I was like, that's the same energy because you got to carry those thick, fluffy jackets in this cold weather. It's true. It is so, yeah. true. So with that, I'll
2: let you go ahead and intro your meme mood. Well, I did not ever anticipate you having a Lizzo meme, but mine is kind of a Lizzo meme. <laughs> um, it's something that's just in my meme folder. And I you asked me, what's your meme today? And I was like, whoops, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have one. But I clicked an image that I love that happened at the most recent Emmys, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and shout out to Lizzo it's of her holding an Emmy for her most recent uh TV show which is actually really fun and beautiful if you haven't seen it it's on Amazon Prime and um she's holding an Emmy up and her eyes are beautifully covered in happy tears and her makeup is running just a little bit Um, But I just think it's really sweet. It's kind of a funny image because she is just holding the statue up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also maybe like a manifestation moment because I would love to be at the Emmys one day. Um, But I also just think this picture is funny and I've never been able to use it. But it's also a mood because sometimes you're proud of yourself. And sometimes you want to take a selfie while you're crying. And uh, right. I feel like they're all real moments. Yeah. And that is what my meme mood is. Um, as we're celebrating this 100th episode, I feel like it's the 100th day of school and you're supposed Woo. to wear like random objects you found around the house and you Aww. put them on your body. Um, I got, so
3: I got my Frida pin on. Is that like my little, um, what's it called? When people wear my little flare pin,
2: Yeah. RIP and- to an icon. And this is who are you describing because Frida the Frida. dog,
3: not Frida the communist artist. This oh This is gosh. Frida that helped during the earthquakes in Mexico City back in twenty seventeen. I believe she also helped with the earthquakes in Peru
2: or Ecuador, like the year after? We definitely that? spoke about Frida the dog who we helped did. save people on, at the beginning of the podcast. We did. And I'm kind of sad that she passed because everything feels so full circle right now. Um, we also, which I guess means I can jump into my juice soon, or this will be a juice topic um, because we have our meme moods. And we're actually doing things a bit differently this week with the juice, because Mm -hmm. I have a packed house of brilliant minds for um, our interviews today. And I want to make sure that we highlight as many people as we can prior to ending this show, um, because we're really proud of that. But I want to make it clear um, that the juice really is a big part of my passion. As silly as it sounds, I think... It really helped make me who I am. And I don't mean the juice from this podcast, but I mean (laughs) art, right? I think escapism, as at its finest, is what pop culture and art and music and films and TV have been Mm -hmm. for me throughout my life. Um, And particularly, they were a safe haven for me as a young girl, kind of trying to find my way, right? And I think for a lot of like um, undocumented folks or kids of undocumented folks, like in order to, kind of figure out what this country is about you consume a lot of media (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um so as we're nearing the end of this show I want to keep the segment brief this week but I also wanted to cover some things that resonated most with me um and just address some other things because there have been a lot of really serious matters and and conversations and um hard community things I've heard not just recently, but through the years. And I wanted to address that as well. Um, so I want to extend and divide my time for the interview because we are bringing in, bringing in some folks that I truly admire and some people who have been in this work longer than I have and handle it with such grace and care. So I'm excited to be bringing on a little bit later, Diane Solis, Ernest McMillan, and Priscilla Rice onto the Colores Radio for the first time Woo! for our 100th episode. So, I think it's time for us to go. Yay! This is El Juguito, The Juice, where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. Um, I know last episode, we covered a little bit of the election cycle. And a lot of people were saying there was going to be like a red wave that obviously didn't happen. A lot of that um, is contributed to people like They're calling us Gen Z, I don't consider myself (laughs) Gen Z, but it is the 18 year old to the 29 year old slot. And I am happily in that slot. Um, And I really believe that these people are starting to understand um, what a lot of systemic violence has done to our history. Um, And though in the state of Texas, we did not perhaps get the outcomes we wanted, um, it definitely gave me some hope and it's a huge reminder of the fact that we have to keep going, right? Um, these systemic violences are so deeply entrenched. It is not something that we can simply rid of um, quickly. And I, I I think that's where people have a hard time, right? We start to feel a little bit hopeless and frustrated and um, depressed with our beautiful state of Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we have to understand that these things took hundreds of years, hundreds of years to build. So it might take a long time to really um, see its radical transformation or revolution as a lot of us want to see. Um, So I know my Texas people are feeling it because we did not want to see Greg Abbott as our governor again, but I promise you, though it is going to get worse and scary because he's very quickly shown us exactly what he wants to keep doing to our people, um, we have to, we have to, have to, have to keep um, going. We have to keep working. We have to keep fighting for what we believe in and what we know is just. Um, so I wanted to state that. And it's been really interesting because I'm kind of weaving in some of these juice topics with also what is happening in real time and what I'm experiencing both, not just in a news cycle, but in my own personal life um, with different people um, and just in the community in general, Right. I think uh, last time we recorded, we talked about Elon Musk buying Twitter. And at the time, it had just happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hopefully it's not a big a big transformation. And within literally hours, <laughs> it was a big, huge mess. We did not um,
3: expect the dumpster fire that it's become right now.
2: I, I should have known. I really should have known. I probably, I don't really, I've never really cared for Elon Musk. Um, So it it was not a surprise. It actually makes perfect sense for how he tends to lead and navigate anything he's a part of. Um, But I guess to me, I was like, if you want to own something, maybe keep it where it's at and elevate it, not like, just send it to hell. I don't know. Like, I really it's amazing that we equate billionaires with like deep intelligence when like, that does not mean that. (laughs) Um, And so I think that's where I'm just like, I should have known that this was coming. I think the reason I'm like, Oh man, is because if you know me, I love Twitter. Twitter is where it it really is my online diary. And it's so fun. You get so much brilliant information. You meet so many different brilliant minds and you really can transform your own learning and like beliefs and so i've met so many brilliant people off of twitter and now i'm like damn is this do we we have to leave this thing like a mm-hmm. lot of people have already left um they they were saying a lot of like hateful language has increased already on the website yeah. um a lot of people who were critiquing elon have already been banned and or removed or their accounts got hacked um so it feels like almost a matter of time before they wipe us all out and it really maybe it's like an internet colonization I don't know what we're calling this but it (laughs) is really like it is really scary to see because it's like
3: it definitely feels that way like it it is like a takeover of like this space because it has been predominantly like a space that a lot of like like black culture has predominantly like set changes in like the, the time just by like the way that they communicate on stuff on there and like even resources and community care has been like shared yeah, throughout Mutual that. aid
2: has been amazing on Twitter mm-hmm. a lot of people coming together and meeting each other and caring for each other and just having joy um, has happened yep. through Twitter, and so it is really sad to hear or see. I know some other people have talked about some different alternatives, which I probably will explore soon enough, um, especially if they're really intentional about making it at a safe haven for <laughs> folks. Yeah, totally. Because a lot of these places have become really scary and
1: mm-hmm. and
2: and harmful to a lot of um, folks of color and queer folks of color, and I, it, you know, it is it is wild because it's like. I think that's what makes me a little bit sad that, like, we started this podcast trying to dissect these things and hoping for them to get better and hoping to, like, educate and also, you know, learn alongside our audience. And here we yeah. are, you know, five, yeah. six years later. Watching
3: verified meme account, accounts turn into memes Yeah, and, and change literally... the
2: stock market. Right, which that part is hilarious. That part is, they; those people had had it coming for them. But Mm -hmm. it's like, it really feels like we're in a cartoon. Like we're watching the villain take over. And we're just like seeing it in real time. And so my brain is just like, I think that's where this gets really complicated, right? Is that we have so many resources in this country and yet we still do so much harm. And um, to expand on that in a different way, I know- there has been a lot of news, even in like personal circles of mine, where people have, you know, been, been called out for misbehavior. And it's just really disheartening to learn. And I think that's something I've seen throughout the years, even in this podcast, multiple times, even with people we highlighted on the show. And I'm, I'm not being vague to to be messy, but I'm being vague because everyone deserves protection and the ability to grow and expand and learn from their mistakes. And so it has been really astounding to see how we as humans, whether it's at a local level or a billionaire level, can still cause each other harm and not take accountability and kind of manipulate in our favor. And that's the part that really breaks my heart. And so as I've learned, um, I often found myself in situations where I was kind of caught in the middle and people were upset that I didn't, quote unquote, choose sides. And the reason I often try to stay in the middle is because I understand there's a lot of nuance in most situations. Obviously, if it's a billionaire versus the working class, I'm with the working class, right? Like, I'm not here to... um, side with side with evil by any means. And at the same time, I understand that most situations have more nuance than meets the eye. And um, I want to believe that if we move more lovingly with a lot more clarity and we're direct and we own our mistakes and we truly commit ourselves to evolving and healing ourselves, that maybe we won't harm each other as much. And I know that's easier said than done because most of us are just trying to survive. But I just wanted to say that because it has been a really interesting journey um, and something I have not been able to avoid by any means throughout the production of this podcast. And I'm sure it will continue for the rest of my life. So it is something to learn that our loved ones might harm us or others. And also understanding that We are human, and I think part of that is that we are inherently flawed. So I am by no means a professional in figuring this out, but I do want to believe that we are actually thinking outside of ourselves and we are evolving and can continue to fight um, for justice and with love and like true love and tenderness and care. I'm not a really petty person. I'm not a really jealous person. I'm not a super hateful person. So I don't personally understand how to move that way. But I know a lot of us, unfortunately, carry that because of, I think, a lot of what white supremacy teaches us um, in insecurity and individualism. individualism. And so I just want to state that because I know far beyond this podcast being over, whether you're listening now in 2022 November or you're listening in 2024, perhaps you've experienced something that makes you lose hope or makes you afraid or makes you sad or confused. And I want to remind you that people are capable of evolution. And whether that means in close proximity to you or from a distance, I want to keep loving and living as long as I'm human. And and that's what I'll say for myself. Um... Which leads me to my final juice topic, uh, which I I think is why so many of us do turn to media and we turn to the arts and we turn to these things because they remind us of these beautiful messages um, of life, of loving, of living. And we, funny enough, when we first started this podcast, we met about it in January of 2017. And it was uh, myself, Eva Arreguin, my sister Patricia Aragin, and our colleague Rafael Tamayo um, at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. And though we are not in great communication with our our co-founder as we used to be, there was a lot of love and intention and care mm-hmm. when we when we built this thing. And it was really exciting because after we came together, we were we were um, thrilled for what this could be. And um, shortly after the Black Panther came out and to celebrate us uh, creating something together, we went and watched the film together. And we like, I think even got like a bottle of wine and we We like, we went to the bar afterwards. Yeah. So it was a really exciting like moment. And the fact that the second film Wakanda Forever has just dropped as we've announced our ending is just so full circle to me and such an affirmation to me of mm-hmm. this work and of this show. And I did not plan on crying Aww. today, but it is something that I, um. wow, my voice is super cracking because it hurts, <laughs> but it is something that I take really seriously.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: As I know, we've met a lot of people who trust us and who really care for our work and so i do as silly as it sounds i know marvel is owned by disney which is a major entity with lots of issues
0: yes (laughs) but i
2: know that this film was handled with a lot of care by the people who created it the artists involved and i i i don't think you've seen it have you pat
3: no i'm hoping to see it hopefully in the next few weeks
2: well, I was hoping to get into it and spoil it, but I guess I won't do that just I'm yet. I'm just going to take because... off my
3: headphones and then you give me a thumbs up. You know, we could do that. Cause you, you I'll know. do that so you can talk about it because I'm well, sure people do want your to I didn't want to talk
2: alone because al- talking alone is only um, fun sometimes when you're working through things on your yeah, own. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, but there's a lot I of am... beauty in Black Panther, both I'm... one and two.
3: Mm -hmm. I've tried not to see spoilers I have heard some things about it I'm obviously um, Excited to see like indigenous Actors in it I'm not liking The Mexicans that are having issues With having like indigenous Or like brown Native like Mexican actors As like the lead roles which I'm Still just like why is this still an issue And unfortunately the anti-blackness And the colorization of Latinidad Is still obviously jumping out even though Gina Rodriguez was had <laughs> issues with there not being a Latino representation and, in and in, in superhero characters.
2: Right. And the reality is, is that like, not only are these folks, these folks are indigenous, right? Like it's not about Latinidad necessarily in this mm-hmm. case. And at the same time, it's like the fact that I, I'm not surprised that it took a black film to really make us a superhero. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, that is a big part of everything we stand for here is like really paying homage to uh, what a lot of like revolutionary black creators have done for our people to help lead the way and help lead, help inspire us as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And the film is just so, it's so fun. It's so beautiful. I'm going to take off my headphones.
3: You can talk about
2: it. I'm not about to spoil it. Oh my gosh. She just threw her headphones off. This is crazy. Um, or wild but um, yeah so Black Panther 2 very beautifully done I I think it's oh man I feel bad well I'm obviously I don't want to spoil it all the way but it is it is what we know to be true right as far as like colonization goes and how it works and I think this reimagining of this story in a superhero format is so beautiful and I'm very excited to see um, what comes next of it? I think um, I wanted a little bit more time in those sad grieving moments um, to grieve those people, but I also understand this movie was way too long already. <laughs> it was oh, like two and a half hours, and I am an advocate for an hour and a half long film because I don't have that much patience. Um, but they paid they paid great homage to Chadwick, and it was I, y'all know I love seeing so many um femme folks kicking butt and there's even I'm going to cover my mouth so she doesn't see it but there's even a like a gay moment in it which is really exciting um so there's a lot of I didn't know if she could read my lips that's why I covered my mouth but there's a lot of really beautiful exciting things in this film and so I'm really um excited to watch it again as I know that um it's it's you know there's more to come so I won't fully spoil it because I don't want to be a full mess but I cannot wait to see what comes next from this and I hope that um they continue to move with such care in in important topics right so to see Disney going this way is not Disney but the creators involved um being this intentional is really exciting so I just want to say that because this film is a great reminder of us not fighting each other, but fighting the power that is trying to bring us down. And so that is what I hope you take with you um, as we work through our issues with each other, with ourselves and continue moving forward to um, keep building a stronger community. So that is what I'm going to say about black Panther 2: Wakanda forever. So shout out to Ryan Coogler and his team, Feel free to hire me because I would love to be involved (laughs) in one of your works. Um, Now Pat is back. And I think that means we can throw to commercial before we start actually interviewing our beautiful people today. So here we go. Hello, this is our commercial break, where I am here to encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com DeColoresCo. You can also donate to us at DeColoresRadio.com donate. We've been doing all this amazing work for over four years. We deeply need your support and your help. You can get all the exciting BTS videos, all the cringy moments in between each segment, on our patreon so subscribe today thanks hey everyone it's eva here with Decolores colores radio and i wanted to do my own little promo for a company i really enjoy and believe in i am an ambassador so i am not biased but it is actually my favorite mexican candy in the game right now it is dfw texas based and it ships nationwide that is gepika candy I am a literal sucker for the Gepika Gushers and their rim dip they satisfy that little sour spicy sweet craving and it's got just the right amount of everything. I absolutely love their products and I hope that you all use my coupon code Eva15 at checkout for a little discount and I promise you won't regret it. Check it out at getbica candy.com And follow them at Candy. Super fast shipping. So good. Check it out today. Thanks. Bye. Hello. This is a reminder to mark your calendars for December 2nd. And please attend De Colores Radio's final live episode at the Arts Mission Oak Cliff Center. It is going to be a blast. We're absolutely thrilled to be sharing this very special moment with you all in person. You can get some merch. You can have a good time. There will be snacks. There will be drinks. There will be dancing. And we really want to see you all and mingle with you all in person as we wrap up such a special chapter in our story. So if you haven't, Please go visit DeColoresCo.com for more details and make sure you're following us at Co. so we can see you December 2nd at the DeColores Radio Live fi- final podcast recording. I also wanted to shout out Arts Mission O'Cliff for sponsoring that event, they have a really beautiful, intricate space that is a retransformed church. If you have not been there, you're going to want to be there. They host a lot of amazing events and have a lot of incredible space for people to come and hold events and intimate moments and dance classes or whatever it is they um, are feeling. I truly recommend checking this space out. So I wanted to give them a special shout out and another special shout out. To Mika's Custom Draperies. You might have heard of this one before. It is owned by my very own beautiful mother who does custom draperies and lots of interior decor and she has been a sponsor for um, our most recent merch. So we are very excited to shout Mika's Custom Draperies out and you can contact them at 972-642-0075 or find their work on Facebook at Mika's Custom Draperies. So check them out and support a Latina-owned business. Now we can jump into our interviews today. When I tell y'all I've been trying to interview literally each one of these guests for years. I am not kidding. I might have not contacted them for years, but they'd have been on my mind and my heart for years because I truly, truly, truly admire their work and I admire how they carry themselves. And I think they all bring such beautiful parts to not just their work, but themselves anytime they enter a room or a space. And I really wanted to get them on this show before we wrap. Um, So I'm really, really excited to be welcoming um, first Diane Solis to the Colores Radio. And she is an award-winning senior writer at the Dallas Morning News and a former foreign correspondent in Mexico for the Wall Street Journal. She spe- specializes in immigration and social justice reporting. Her reporting has looked at immigrant family separations at the border, the aftermath of the murder of a 12-year-old Dallas boy named Santos Rodriguez, and the impact of racist redlining in Dallas neighborhoods that turned victims into victors. She was in Piedras Negras reporting on Cuban migration when horror unreeled in Uvalde in our north. We are so honored for Diane to be joining us today. Welcome to the Colores Radio, Diane Solis.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted
0: to be here.
2: Listen, I'm just glad you're here. You're a busy woman and I have seen you through the years at different events and things and I always, always, um, I really, really admire your writing. You are so, so, so Um, careful and tender in your writing and I think a lot of times with some of the subject matter a lot of us feel like we've been um, degraded to some degree and so to see how you handle it it really is something I admire but also the thing I love about the Colores Radio is I want to learn about you beyond your beyond your career right who who is Diane Solis so we're glad to have you here thank you can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, I grew up. I didn't, I'm not from Texas. I'm oh, what? Wow. Spoiler alert! See, I didn't know that. <laughs> I love it. What part of California?
4: I'm from the San Joaquin Valley, the Great San Joaquin Valley, from the Fre- mm. from Fresno.
2: Okay. Wow. And,
4: and I've dedicated a lot of my reporting to immigration but I'm not an immigrant I'm not the daughter of immigrants mm. all my grandparents though came from Mexico during the Mexican Revolution
0: mm-hmm.
4: and my grandfather was a minor and a part-time journalist in the Spanish mm. oh wow That's yeah beautiful. so my father oh. pushed me into into writing and into mm. storytelling and wow. uh, was one of the times when I really listen to him.
2: Mm, <laughs> listen, we have, all have a couple moments.
4: <laughs> and we all have a couple of moments when we listen to our fathers. Right. <laughs> this was mine. And I mm. was hooked right away. I, I love storytelling. Wow. And I love meeting people and constantly uh, being educated. Mm. And elevating the authentic voices of my community people who weren't heard from often elevating right. the voices of women. Mm. There's a saying that the voices you elevate are the voices you respect. And mm. it's something that guides me.
2: Wow. I love that. I feel that. I feel like that's what this episode is right now. Because <laughs> I really, truly respect y'all's work. And I think um, that's an affirmation. I appreciate you sharing your guiding light, because I feel like that is a brilliant way to move um, and, and quite necessary when you're storytelling, because people don't realize how, how sensitive storytelling is. And, and I think that's often what we're seeing happen is a, a lot of messaging misconstrued or stories being exploited to some degree. How is it then? Uh, well, actually, before I get into this, I would love to know what brought you to Texas then if you're a California girl.
4: I got called by a wonderful man in Houston, Mm. um, an unusual guy uh, named George Gitschow, a dear friend, a mentor. And he was the bureau chief of Houston at the Wall Street Journal. And he Mm. said he wanted someone who could cover the border and really bring alive the important issues there Mm. and the important international issues. And he loved Mexico himself. Right. And off I went to Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and from there, I, I asked to go to Mexico to be a correspondent. And I got to go. And that really changed my life.
0: Mm.
4: Uh, and I love the country very much and its people. And um, it's a place of great sorrow, but a, a place of great joy as well. Mm-hmm. and it's important to bring all that out and when I was living there it was undergoing huge huge change mm. uh, cultural change but more um, change in the economic system it really opened up to foreign investment but also to small business
2: uh, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. wow what then brought you from Mexico to Dallas, and or what has your experience been like in Dallas since I know you've been um, writing here for a while?
4: Yeah, uh, an old editor from the Wall Street Journal was working in Dallas and he said, Why don't you come and work for me? Uh-huh. And I thought it was, I, I, I thought I loved him. I, uh, and so I, I said, Sure. And mm. I was really surprised by Dallas. I had been away from the states for about eight years seven eight years and had really mm-hmm. changed so it was hard to uh to reintegrate right to u.s culture
2: yeah no i
4: bet so different
2: absolutely you're making me feel like i need to move <laughs> I'm ex- i i i love that i think that's where a lot of the growth happens, right? And then you kind of come back to the U.S. and you're you're having to reacclimate.
4: Yeah, and then I felt like an immigrant, basically. Mm. Uh, things were uh, people did things differently. The, the efficiency of the place was sort of annoying, almost because you lost this personal connection with people
2: mm. because things were
4: uh,
2: like that. Do you feel similarly? Place? Do you feel similarly with the internet? Um,
4: Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, like texting. Right. It's so easy for people to misconstrue what you're trying mm-hmm. to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I feel like we're... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You
4: know, there's a lot of efficiencies to it as well. So there's <laughs> good
2: I think that's the, that's the United States way, right? We get used to the efficiencies and and we love the privileges that come with it and we just roll with it. So when we go to other places that slow us down, we, we sometimes forget like, wow, I don't have to race to the finish line. I can, I can walk and get my bread in the morning. Well, then I, I do want to ask, um, with your experiences in Dallas, and you've been covering covering some really really um, heavy work lately. Um, how do you maintain hope in your both yourself and your work?
4: It's hard sometimes. This has been a, a difficult period. This pandemic has gone on for so long. It, it deformed. Mm-hmm so much of life in the US and around the world and i personally lost family members and mm. a very close friend mm. and yet you have to find gratitude in taking your my next breath or your next breath we're still here mm-hmm. we're still standing right and uh, in covering immigration, I'm always amazed that that people still want to come to the U.S. Mm. with all its problems
0: and reinvent right.
4: themselves and right. have a better life, what they think mm. will be a better life. Right. I, I recently was in, in Guanajuato, Mexico. You were trying to get a hold of me. And uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I was there for about eight days and just had a great experience and was taken out to a village. And I stayed out there in this village. My friend has her her uh, home there. She has a home in, in Oak Cliff. She's got a home in in uh, Beautiful. Guanajuato. And <laughs> I, met, I met some of the people in this village of about... 1,200 people and they all had a connection to well, seem like they all had a connection to Dallas or to
0: North oh, Texas. Wow.
4: wow. And she says the big dream, the big dream is to go to North Texas and come back with your earnings and mm-hmm. live, live back in, in Guanajuato and that was her dream and the dream of her whole extended family. And they have these fairly Uh, elaborate nice houses there in this village Mm, oh wow oh with this uh, dallas cowboy decor right
2: (laughs) listen the dallas cowboys love is worldwide for real it is so serious it is that is hilarious i love that i i think it's fascinating right because as humans we're full of so Mm -hmm. many dreams and especially when we are somewhere else. It's like we keep reaching, right? We keep desiring more. And I think that's the beautiful part of human nature, right? Is that we're able to imagine and dream and um, create whatever future we want to. And so it takes a lot of courage to cover the work you do. And it really is. I know, I think, um, I don't even know the first time I first heard of your work, but I know that every single piece was something of, such importance to to me um and it felt Thank so you. refreshing i i mean that because i know um i think you are aware that i i was working a little bit with santos rodriguez's family and i think we mm-hmm. that's probably when we last saw each other and there's so many um so much pain still surrounding that family right but also so much love and so much Um, more to them than just this scenario. And I think that's where I really wish in our city that we really treated people with care and respect that they deserve outside of just the the photo moments. And so I really, I think when I saw you reporting the most recent statue unveiling, I believe, I was like, man, I really got to get her on the show soon because she does it with such grace. And... I thank think you. you you provide something which allows people to trust you, um, which I don't think a lot of storytellers realize is crucial. Right. Or maybe they know. But I think I don't know. I don't I don't want to ask your astrology or any of that, but you do have such a lovely presence. And so I just want to thank you for all your work you've done, um, especially not being from here. It makes it even more admirable because I'm like, wow. <laughs> There's so much going on in our beautiful Dallas, Texas, and to cover such intense um, topics um, really means a lot to our community. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, um, and and, and you and both your work as well. Thank you. Thank you.
4: You know, you talked about the love that surrounds that family, and I talked to Bessie Rodriguez, the the, uh, matriarch,
0: uh-huh, uh, the mother, uh-huh.
4: the mother of Santos, and she was telling me she had gone to the state fair three times. Oh, how funny! Different and I thought, yeah, that's really beautiful.
2: Yeah, listen, that state fair is a whole nother ball game, but it means so much to people here in Dallas, especially. Um, well, I wish we had more time, but I do. I'm doing these brief interviews this time just so I can Thank get a you. little bit of. A little bit of love to each artist, each person. Um, What do you have coming up or where can we support your work? You know, I
4: have a big piece coming up on the erasure of a Black community in in Dallas and how they're fighting back. Oh, wow. And it, it takes a look at rapid gentrification.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit more since you have uh, the mic right now? Because now I'm curious. Uh, yeah,
4: it's in West Dallas. Okay. And I've been talking to a lot of Black women, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they're wonderful storytellers. And mm-hmm. they would like for there to be acknowledgement of their community and what they what they uh, accomplished and
0: -hmm. and,
4: uh, what it meant for them to have their own neighborhood and now it's getting erased. And also for people to think more deeply about affordable housing Mm -hmm. and how important that is to create generational wealth. There's a huge gap between
2: uh, black generational wealth and white generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for shedding some light on that. We look forward to reading it. And I know um, that, that this story is, is it, I need, I need our listeners to know specifically that there's so many um, important stories that Diane has written. And I hope that you take time to read some of them um, because they are truly uh, the stories that everyone um needs to know right for the reality of what our our city is and what it looks like beyond just the cowboys and the big skyline right um so thank you Diane where can we where can we find um can we follow you on Instagram or do you have somewhere people could reach out if they're interested yeah i'm
4: i'm still on twitter with my fingers crossed <laughs> that's, <laughs> fair. that's fair that's fair Solis and on instagram i'm
2: at diane.solis beautiful well thank you i love seeing your posts because you also post like really beautiful fruit and that means a Uh, lot to me and i'm like wow i want to eat my fruit way cuter than i am because i just tear into it but i appreciate you i admire you and thank you so much for being on the colores radio
4: thank you for having me
2: Yay. Oh my gosh. Okay. I low-key feel like a fangirl, but you know, we got to keep going through each of these beautiful guests and bear with me. Like I said, my, my voice is, um, a little bit hoarse and it is getting a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word tense perhaps I don't know as we keep going I might have Pat jump on and read our next guest bio for me um, just so I can make sure to maintain a little bit of my voice for the rest of this episode Diane was absolutely beautiful I, yes. truly know, I really am such a fan um, because journalism in that regard takes so much Mm-hmm. I am very much an entertainment girly. I went to school for <laughs> film and TV, um, yeah. but they are kind of closely related because here I am interviewing people. I, ne- I did not anticipate doing this right away, um, but I truly admire um, that, that uh, level of work We're really grateful to have her on, but now we're really excited to be bringing on Mr. Ernest McMillan, and I'm going to have Pat read um, his bio, because I have been wanting to have Ernest on literally since the start of the Colores radio. So Pat, take it away from me.
3: Okay. Mr. Ernest McMillan is a veteran human rights activist with the history of working through the 60s in Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and throughout the 80s with the National Black United Front and the United League of Mississippi. McMillan served as a chairman at the Dallas SNCC from 1967 through 1969. He received his Associates of Arts degree in history and government at Brazos Junior College in Texas and has completed further study in history Government and political science at the Morehouse College in Atlanta, UT Arlington, and the University of Houston at Clear Lake City, Texas. He has extensive experience in counseling of both youth and adults. Additionally, he has worked successfully in management positions involved with the delivery of social services, organizing and planning resources, and coordinating activities to meet specific sp- objectives. Mr. McMillan initiated the first drug prevention program for African-American youth in Houston in 1981. He has developed support systems for ex-offenders and drug abusers, and as a counselor for the Alternative Drug Abuse Program of VGS Houston, Texas, and um, he was the founder of the People United for Justice for Prisoners in Dallas, Texas, and a counselor of the Alternative Drug Abuse Program of VGS Houston, Texas. Mr. McMillan also served as project manager Manager at the Communities in School Program at Wesley Elementary School in Houston, Texas, and he founded the Fifth Ward Enrichment Program in 1984, a nonprofit community-based youth development initiative. He served as chief executive officer, and after 23 years at the helm, he became its executive coach and senior advisor. The FWEP continues to operate in Houston's inner city as an effective support and intervention system for young African-American and Hispanic males to this day, Currently, McMillan resides in Albuquerque, he is now my neighbor, but he did live in Texas, where he volunteered extensively in several local and international efforts, including the Dallas Peace Center, IFCO, Pastors for Peace, and as a 2011 Delegate to Witness for Peace, Human Rights Delegation to Honduras. He became the Director of Educational Programs at Youth Believing in Change after serving as a volunteer mentor coordinator of the Boys Mentoring Program, and as a classroom facilitator there. He most recently served as Curator for Community Action with Garamia Theater Company. He is excited to be involved routinely in the work of connecting arts with the community and developing avenues to foster and engage multi-generational, multicultural bridges for community uplift. He is currently volunteering with the Owen Wood Farm and Neighbor Space, engaging area residents and stakeholders to build and sustain a community garden. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Ernest McMillan, also known as Mr. Mac. <laughs> we are so happy to have you on the show.
1: Thank Hello, you. Thank Mr.
2: Mac. How uh, are you?
1: Oh, it's an honor to be with you, family. Yeah.
2: the the, the honor is ours you are truly a dream guest I have worked with you for many years now or or been in spaces with you for many years now and literally whenever we first built this podcast we're like oh we have to get we have to get Hmm. Ernest on we have to get Mr. Mac on Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: here we are finally doing it right before (laughs) the show is done yes
1: So Five we're years really later. really great.
2: Listen, saving the best for last, right? <laughs> My Thank goodness. You. We're so uh, happy to have you here.
1: And it's right on time too. So God works in mysterious ways. He
2: absolutely so, does. This is a wonder.
1: I'm just happy to be in I'm in your midst. I feel at home. Mm. I'm like I'm with relatives. So let's likewise relax and let's get at it. <laughs>
2: Lovely, beautiful. Well, you know, we're doing these interviews as a, a lot briefer than we would our usual because we're trying to squeeze in all these brilliant minds into one space. Your bio somehow still does not give you enough credit because there is so much magic and, and heart you bring to everything you do. And it's so, so felt anytime um, you're in a room. And I am honored to have met you through Karamia. Um, and to have done some work with you shortly after. But I remember the first time I met you, you you told me, Eva, oh, you got the same name as my mom. <laughs> and I thought that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if you wanted to um, share a little bit with us about your beautiful family and your, y'all have such a, an incredible legacy. And so that's where I'm like, I, I it, we really have a legend among us right now.
1: Oh, thank you again. uh, It's all in the DNA and the blood and the sweat (laughs) from uh, generations. So Mm. I'm just uh, trying to continue the pathway that my ancestors have laid out there for us. Mm. Uh, My mother, as you mentioned, uh, she lived to 100 years of age. Beautiful. Uh, She uh, uh, left a strong imprint, not only in the family, but in the community and throughout the world. And uh, so able to... uh, Uh, give a homecoming for her about a year ago. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: uh, I was able to visit her gravesite in Dallas on her birthday this past May. So I just feel a presence with it. And Pat uh, has a beautiful office. She's working in the community. And we had a day of honoring the dead. Mm -hmm. So I was able to bring my mother's side of the family, my father's side of the family, and even some of the sand from the slave castle in in, in West Africa. So we had the DNA of those that came even before mm. the people that came this side of the earth of the earth mm. so it's just uh, I'm a third generation born out of enslavement in my family um, the first generation born out was uh, my father's side of family was in east Texas
0: mm. and
1: a farmers so the first son of my great-grandfather uh, said my son got put down the plow
0: mm. go get your
1: education And he became a doctor. He graduated from McCarry School of Medicine. And he built the first black hospital in Dallas in 1918. Uh,
2: See, I (laughs) knew I didn't know everything about you, but my mind is already blown. That is incredible.
1: So my mother's side of the family came out of uh, West Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, She was four years old when the family migrated to, uh, the, uh, I guess it's called uh, Farmer's Branch area, Addison Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. area. Uh, luckily they had family, some family here, they could stay with them and doing some labor, uh, quarters, nickels, dimes, whatever they put. Mm-hmm. They, they saved and saved and saved
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: purchased uh, his own land, wow. uh, at least 80 acres of land. Mm-hmm. And so hit my, my mother's father was a farmer. My daddy's father was a, a doctor. And his wife, the doctor's wife, was a church-going Christian lady. Mm-hmm. She loved to sing and play the organ and things like that. And and yep. my mother's mother passed away when she was four years of age. Oh wow! And so she grew up with a, a male at the helm most mm-hmm. of her life, and mm-hmm. she was a daddy's girl. And and when I was walking beside her one day, uh, maybe twenty years ago, I couldn't keep up with it. She said. My daddy, I'm just doing what my daddy did because he would say, "You, don't walk slow. You walk with a purpose." So, no, no leisurely walking with her, but she uh, translated that in so many different ways. Uh-huh. Uh, with a lifelong giving efforts, with helping reform the police department in Dallas, working in the library, studied genealogy and all those kind mm. of things. Uh, leading a struggle with the South Southern Conference Educational Fund as a president in the late '70s, early '80s. So. Uh, and my father became a preacher, despite my mother's wishes. Oh, how funny! Uh, so she agreed to marry him if, on what? the condition he wouldn't become a preacher.
2: Oh my goodness! She <laughs> so, said, yeah, "This I'll, is this is what I need from you, please."
1: Uh, I don't know. So maybe uh, ten years after that, he became a preacher. And so, oh
2: wow! But anyway,
1: he was a Methodist preacher, and when he was in his forties or fifties, maybe not that old, mm-hmm. but when he was a husband, a father. And a working man, SMU, was trying to integrate or desegregate the Perkins School of Theology.
2: Oh, wow. And so they
1: didn't want to bring young black men onto the campus.
2: Uh-huh. They
1: wanted men who were settled, oh, married, geez. and uh, maybe already had something under their belt. So
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, he was one of the 12 to 15 African-American men that was brought on to Perkins School to, to desegregate it. But he wow. was working a full-time job, so he couldn't really maintain the grades or the study habits mm-hmm. he needed. So he had to really just kind of drop out of that. Oh, man. But he paved the way for people like Reverend Zan Holmes and mm-hmm. uh, Cecil Williams out of San Francisco to be able to graduate from Perkins. So in his wow. own way, both of my sides of the family were active in either healthcare care, community development, or spiritual life in the family, in the community. So
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I owe them a lot. Um, uh, every day I have a... As Pat will tell you, we had an altar for them uh, mm-hmm. at the, uh, was it, Working Classroom?
2: Mm-hmm. Shout and out it, to Working Classroom.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful facility. They're great things. I'm hoping we can work with them in the future, too. Mm-hmm. They do amazing artistic things They've got involving young people and the whole community and all kinds of artistic endeavors. So it's wonderful. So, I'm going all kind of crazy right now because I don't know time is, mm-hmm. effort, but listen is
2: <laughs> you're you're perfect. You are doing exactly what is what is best for you,
1: thank you. thank you.
2: well, I, your family literally built the city of Dallas is what I gathered from that. Uh, you 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 really helped um make it what it is and 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 you really when I say you're a living legend, I mean that because the first time I met you. I think I was um, introduced to you, someone told me, you know, he worked with MLK. And I said, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. And so I think that's how I was first introduced to you um, many summers ago, right after I graduated from college and we were doing work at mm-hmm. Um So how was it then that you found your purpose, having come from so many brilliant people, um, mm-hmm. amazing ancestors, right, that then you were able to kind of find your purpose along the way?
1: Well, I got swooped up and grabbed up into the civil rights movement.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: my mother wanted me to become an attorney. I think oh, my well. father secretly wanted me to become a minister.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: and one of his dream schools he thought was very powerful was Morehouse College. So I graduated from Booker T. Washington High School in Dallas in 1963, went to Morehouse. And it, it was a turbulent times in, in the world, especially in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran into... Uh, class issues among bougie blacks and mm-hmm. working class blacks and mm-hmm. trying to find my place. Uh, and I've kind of gravitated more to the community right. than with the, with the college protocol
0: mm-hmm. and being
1: involved more in the community. I, I felt kind of a longing to be more than just a, a visitor or, or just a traveler. And so one night, uh, there was a call for people to join a 24 hour, Seven-day week demonstration oh, in downtown wow. Atlanta, protesting a restaurant that belonged to the soon-to-be governor of, of of Georgia, Lester Maddox, who actually used pick handles and and to beat up anybody black that came into his restaurant. Jesus! And he uh, issued those weapons out to his customers to join in and beating up folks who tried to desegregate his restaurant. So wow. I was one of the many that came down during this period, uh, 24-hour demonstrations. I got caught up in it. I met people like uh, Jim Foreman, Julian Bond, John Lewis. Mm. They became my mentors. Mm. Uh, The STIC Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, affectionately known as STIC, had the headquarters, the national headquarters only uh, about half a mile from the campus. So every free chance I had, I would go to that office and check it out and they had me sweep the floor or answer the phone, whatever I could do, I would do it. Mm. And uh, so I got to meet people coming in and out, places from Alabama, Mississippi. They would sit down and tell their stories, what they were going through. And I was just caught up in it. And so I said, I want to join because it's not a a membership organization per se, but a staff ordinance. So you had to. You had to be trained, you had to go become a cadre, develop yourself that way. Only 150 staff out of, that reached across the whole country from Virginia all the way to East Texas throughout what we call the black belt, where black people were in the majority. And mm-hmm. the concentration there was on voter registration, voter education,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and demanding voting rights. And because if you knew, Congress ran the set the, the federal laws And the federal laws were governed by people from the South because Mm. they developed seniority to become chairman of the armed services or ways and means or finance committees because they were never defeated. The majority of people couldn't even vote for them. The minority controlled the the politics of the Deep South, which in turn controlled the government of the United States. And so if we were to reverse that, we would flip the script on how decisions were made, how funding was issued, how education was treated. And so that was a concentration was to empower the Black South
0: mm-hmm. to become
1: more involved in creating parties of getting more engaged in the community and voting. And that was where I actually ended up working in, in Southwest Georgia first, and then in, uh, became a project manager in Thomas, Thomas County, which is on the border of Florida and Georgia. And then went to Selma and then Mississippi. And then the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. And people were saying, hey, we free y'all. You know, we can go back to school. The organization offered scholarships to SNCC workers to go back to school because we had sacrificed three or four years, Mm -hmm. not our education and graduate degrees. So I came back to Texas to enroll in college, I wound up in a campus in Arlington, Texas that had a Confederate flag. So oh my gosh. I said, well, I haven't gotten too far from this deep south at yeah, all.
2: Yeah, not very so, much.
1: So basically got re-engaged with struggling, trying to end that racist policies and discrimination on the campus. Mm. Came involved in the anti-war movement. And then uh, because of, we were branded as communists, by the House mm. on Un-American Activities that was led by the chairman, Joe, Congressman Joe Poole, mm. who was out of Dallas County. Said, All these people that are protesting the war and counseling people to avoid the war, they are communists. And we must take them before government and, and because they're not faithful to the constitution. So mm. that led some of our allies from the, from the, Southern, the, the students for democratic society I was going to say, we're out of here. Mm-hmm. I was at home. There's no out of here for me. So I, <laughs> You're like, I'm here. So I stayed, and we continued to work. And that's how we got the Black Power Movement became our calling card, self-determination, self-defense, uh, self-expression, and, and more involvement in the community. So it it kind of just became kind of a pattern of learning and growing, getting bumped aside the, the head and mm-hmm. learning from that and, and continuing to, to stay engaged somehow.
2: Wow. Uh, I am saying wow, because I am on awe, even though I know you personally, and we talk regularly, I still always learn so much. um, And speaking with you, and I think it's kind of fascinating, you say, like, these patterns repeat themselves, and you mentioned you know that they labeled you all as communists for for fighting back right and i feel like we're kind of seeing the same thing again right yeah. which is like this this scare tactic and then the american brainwashing of like even misconstruing what that term means right and like just genuinely caring for people to have yeah. rights and um what equity and equality might actually look like and so i am always fascinated in speaking with you and I'm very glad that you have uh, something personal that you're working on, right? And um, that maybe you can share with us some exciting news that you're, you're telling your own story soon, huh?
1: Yes. Uh, in early 2023, I hope to have my memoirs published and available.
0: Yay. And uh,
1: shortly following that, there'll be a book of poems and short stories that I consider to be a tandem to the, to the memoirs. So the, the book of memoirs is called Standing, One mm. Man's Odyssey Throughout the Turbulent Sixties. One mm. Man's Odyssey Throughout the Turbulent Sixties and the Book of Poems is, is called Kneeling. Mm. Uh, poems transcending the Sixties through poems and and, and, and rhapsodies. Wow. Uh, I'm looking forward to not just the books, but the, the opportunity to conduct the local, regional, hopefully national. Yes. Tour of some sort to be able to meet people, to talk to, to have conversations that go beyond race, go beyond culture, go beyond age, so intergenerational conversation mm-hmm. where we can learn from the young people who are so boldly going out and fighting for justice today, who voting in and, and untold numbers that never seen before. And we can learn from each other. We can share uh, and, and, and kind of blur those lines between us. And hopefully become more involved. So, I'm looking for us building some kind of community,
0: mm-hmm. a love
1: community of people that's re energized to go forward together. So, that's my prayer. That's what I hope we'll be able to do. It will
2: happen. To- it will happen. You've said you. it,
1: so it will. Thank you. I appreciate your support and your awareness and your engagement. All these things, our paths keep crossing from the Me Too movement <laughs> to young leaders and in, in the School of Yes and now mm-hmm. today, so let's keep let's stay connected.
2: I love it. I'm happy. I'm happy to stay connected with you, Ernest. It really is um, a gift to hear from you and to hear your stories. And I'm absolutely thrilled that you get to tell your own story in physical format, so we can purchase and support you via this book um, because you're full of so many stories and and so much wish wisdom and so much light and so much love and i i I have to ask before we go, um, how is it that you maintain that hope and that love and that heart in yourself mm-hmm. and in your work?
1: Oh, I think it's just taking deep breaths <laughs> uh, for slowing down for looking around and seeing the positives, the blessings, the silver linings mm-hmm. uh, and then just being amazed by people who who uh, would listen, or who would share their ideas with you? So it's just a, a steady reinforcement of life's lessons, mm-hmm. uh, and even if, even through betrayals or imprisonment, yeah. uh, I found some silver linings.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and I found some way to 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 learn from and build and grow and a as a better person. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know, I can't explain it, but we mm-hmm. just try to keep our eyes open and keep our breaths bringing in the air and our, and our thoughts being of gratitude for all that comes before us and, and, and having the the love from family and the love from community just keeps reinforcing all of that as well. I want to just say one one quick thing. Please I'll, I'll be it. in Dallas on December the 3rd uh, at the African American Museum, there'll be a panel There's a collaboration between the African-American Museum and the Sixth Floor Museum.
2: Oh, wow. That sounds awesome. So
1: they focused on what was going on in Dallas in the 60s, Mm -hmm. particularly around 67, 68, after King's death, Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the Poor People's Campaign and and what kind of things were going on in Dallas. What was the context? What was Mm -hmm. happening in Dallas in those days and times? And where are we now? So we're going to be talking about then and now. And I hope we can join. I'm not sure how the publicity works, and what You it works listen. Out. You just pitched
2: it. You're doing amazing. Okay. I want to go minute, now. 1 o'clock. Okay, this, thank you. Listen, One o'clock on December third. December third, we will be there because December second we have our last podcast recording, yeah. and if I you can be, be there, wow. I, I was going to say if you could be there, I'll be in be the great. house too. I'll be
3: there too. So,
1: oh wow, this is gonna yes. be awesome. Okay, gonna be ABQ.
3: We're making our way
2: to Dallas.
1: <laughs> okay. What is it exactly. called? Uh, Mission Art? Art Mission?
2: Yes, Arts Mission O'Cliff. We they had some really,
1: plays really there with
2: Exactly. Yeah, okay,
1: beautiful, okay.
2: Yes, that's the space. Okay.
1: Well, let's, yes. let's make them both happen, okay?
2: I, exactly. Okay. I'm like, well, I, can't, I already got my Saturday, December 3rd plans at <laughs> We got a weekend
1: m. plans, right? No, that
2: sounds beautiful. And <laughs> please, right. please, please support Ernest in his upcoming Book releases. I absolutely love learning from this beautiful human being. Ernest, is there anything else you want to leave us with before you before we have to wrap up this interview?
1: Well, might um, least some little prayers going out. I'm having a, a medical procedure in mm, the morning, and I'll yes. be out of the picture for a couple of days. But I'm looking forward to improving the quality of my life.
2: Beautiful, you know, to
1: carry on this battle a little longer because of that support. that, that procedure.
2: Well, we're praying for a speedy recovery and it will go smoothly and we have so much deep deep love and admiration for you and everything you are and everything you represent and your whole life. I really am I am a a friend and a fan and we're we're so glad to um, have crossed paths with you many times here in our city of Dallas, Texas and beyond. Um and we can't wait to get, see you again in person soon.
1: Much love. Thank you. Much
2: love. Right back, Ernest. We love you. We appreciate you.
1: you. Thank you. I'm going to stick around and see what Miss Priscilla has to say.
2: Listen, I I am just, I'm sad my throat is sore because I would be screaming with each one of y'all because I absolutely, when I say I'm a fan, I mean I'm a fan and I'm grateful to, to be in community with these folks because they really have so many layers and they're so humble and I just I just uh, I really am honored that they accepted um to join us and and it's just it means it means the world. So I'm really really excited to bring our final interview guest for this lovely episode 100. I Everything I said for Ernest, I also mean for Priscilla. We have been speaking about bringing Priscilla on since the start of this show. And the moment never happened, but the moment is here now. We believe deeply in divine timing. And I want to share a little bit with you about Priscilla Rice before we bring her on. Um Priscilla Rice is a pleasant grove based storyteller, actor, interpreter, and radio host. She has a passion for arts advocacy, community, and language justice. Her journey with engaging communities in Southeast Dallas through art began when poet actress Tamitha Curiel asked her to participate in poetry feasts where community members participated in pop-up poetry workshops at grocery stores, laundromats, donut shops, barbershops, and more. She also founded Voices of Pleasant Grove, a summer arts program for teens that took place at the Pleasant Grove Branch Library. Other projects she's collaborated in include Verse in, ri- verse in Rhythm at the Oak Cultural Center. Verse and Rhythm made its ninth season but took a pause during the pandemic. She is also involved in Pleasant Groove, an open mic founded by Tamitha Curiel and Chris Curiel, as well as Tehana Cosmica, a collective of Tehana poets and storytellers. She is a member of the Grove cohort, Un Taller for Dreaming, and she, as an actress, had the honor to work with Garamia Theater Company, Bishop Arts Theater, Art Stillery, Dallas Children's Theater, and Kitchen Dog Theater. I am absolutely thrilled that her first book, We Are What We Are, a collaboration with poet author Lopamudra Banerjee, was published in fall 2022, and currently she serves on the Parks and Rec Board as the appointee for District 5. Priscilla grew up in Crystal City, Texas, and currently resides in the beautiful Southeast Dallas community of Pleasant Grove. She's lived here in Dallas, Texas for twenty six years, and she is one of the best people you can meet in the city. We're thrilled to welcome. Miss Priscilla Rice to Vecco oh, on his radio. Oh,
5: thank you, thank you for that lovely introduction. You know, I always get a little bit shy when I'm like, I'm like, you know, you don't have y'all don't have to read all the bio. I know, <laughs> you know? I know, I, I want to hide. I get like that sometimes. I, you know?
2: <laughs> listen, I'm the same way. You're like, oh yeah, I did that, but also I'm cringing now because I don't want to hear it. But listen, you deserve, Aww. you deserve, you deserve, you deserve all the praise, and you deserve all the bio. Um, because you've worked so hard and you've done so many, many amazing things and you leave such an impact on everyone that comes across you because you really um, share your beautiful laugh and your beautiful smile and your beautiful heart um, with everyone you come across. And so I really, truly Um, It is it was a a, a goal for me to have you on this show. And so I feel like I'm accomplishing my own goals um, by having you accept our offer to join the show today. So thank you for being here.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to be in this space with you and Pat. And of course, you know, Diane and Ernest, I'm fangirling too. Yeah. I'm like, oh my
2: goodness. <laughs> it, it's a powerhouse field show. I'm like, you know what? I, I thought we would get it at an hour and a half, but it's definitely going to go over a little bit. <laughs> but we're just so grateful to have you with us. And you, I feel like you were one of the first people kind of alongside Ernest as well that I met after graduating Mm -hmm. from college and kind of starting this De Colores journey. But I always, um, and I'll shout out my past co-host, Rafael Mm -hmm. was very good at kind of briefly telling me, oh, Ernest, he's so-and-so. Oh, Priscilla, she's so-and-so, right? (laughs) And so I loved getting like an understanding of who you all were and then meeting you personally. Um, But I do love that, you know, I think you recently posted having grown up in Crystal City, right? I did. And that, Part of Texas holds such history, um, and I'd love to hear more about what that was like.
5: Sure, well, you know, I just got back from Crystal City, I was there this past weekend celebrating my 30th high school reunion. Oh, y'all. my goodness, I am Congratulations. 48. <laughs> Thank you, and you know, it, you always kind of like wonder, like, you know, I haven't seen my friends in a while. I've seen you know at the grocery store when I visit, or you know, we run into each other in town, but I hadn't seen a lot of people, and it was just like a it was just a a family reunion. I mean, imagine it's a small town. So you see these, you, we grew, we saw each other year after year. Some of those people knew me since I was a toddler. Oh, wow. So, I mean, these people know me, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was really good. You know, in Crystal City, everybody that held any like political power or the teachers or everybody looked like me pretty much. There was very Mm -hmm. few, um, anglo very few african-american the families that were there we did have uh you know some african american families i I saw them as chicano because they spoke spanglish like you know what i mean like i didn't i didn't i didn't see anybody as any different and i was really like um uh, you know it's a very political town so i was raised by the activists they were my mentors they were my teachers Mm. and i honestly thought that this the way was everywhere yeah, you know? girl,
2: I wish <laughs>
5: I, I really thought that, you know, uh, they gave me a lot of animal. They gave me a lot of support. Yeah, si tu si puedes, mija, you know, and this and that. And when I got to UT Austin, that was a different story.
2: Mm, for the first completely time, my, different.
5: for the first time in my life, I realized I was brown. Wow. Because to me, being brown is was always beautiful. And it was always well, most of the people around me were brown. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people uh, like, for example, I was in the broadcast journalism sequence and we used to back then, I don't know what it is now. I'm sure the model has changed. Mm -hmm. We would like we would take turns of like, oh, you're the sports anchor, you're the producer, you're the director, you know, stuff like that. And I remember reading um, I was sports anchor one time and I said, you know, back then, Jose Canseco, who was a very famous Cuban baseball player, Cuban American baseball player Mm
0: -hmm.
5: was in, in the major leagues. And I said, Jose Canseco, blah, 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 blah. People started laughing. I said Jose Canseco again and people laughed and I was like why are they laughing at me Mm. oh because I didn't say Jose Canseco oh
2: wow I
5: remember the first time I heard somebody say the word and I was in college they said the word you want some queso and I'm like what's queso (laughs) I was like and then and then they bring this yellow melted cheese I remember was a taco and I go you mean like like, guess or so? Like, uh-huh. t- y'all talking about that? What? Uh-huh. So it was like a culture shock, because here I am coming from this place that's totally empowering.
0: Mm. You know, it's
5: a small town. We lacked some res We lacked resources. But what we lacked in resources, we had in love.
0: Mm. We had in support.
5: We had each other. And I realized that, you know, going back and seeing my old friends, what we lacked, we had each other. Mm. And um, leaving that was really a traumatic experience.
2: But I didn't give up, you know? Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> a listen, lot, <laughs> no, please do not, please do not be sorry. That is everything I needed to know, but also I want more <laughs> because I, I, I think that's so astounding, right? So you grew up knowing that your hometown was a politically focused town. Oh
5: yeah. And oh, yeah. there,
2: there was never any question of that in your youth. Like you, you immediately knew what justice um could look like.
5: Absolutely, because the teachers, like, for example, uh, Severita Lara, who was a mm-hmm. student leader during the 1969 walkout mm-hmm. in Crystal City, Texas, um, was my science teacher.
2: Oh, my goodness. So,
5: <laughs> so she told us what it was like. And I was like, wow, you know, Miss Lara, she's a badass. And um, yeah. and and she would always, you know, people like her would encourage you see something wrong. You need to do something about it. So mm-hmm. to me, I really felt that was normal. That's right taking care of each other, you know, right. that, that if you see something wrong, you speak like up. Like common and, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so in a way it was, it was good, but it was also like in a bubble because I got slapped with reality really
2: quick, you know? Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of um, young people, right. When Especially when we enter college or these institutions that weren't made for us, like yeah. it, it is very much shocking to our, our whole central system, right? To our core. And uh, you manage, right? You got out and you, you are, you probably always were this incredible um, passionate being, right? Were you, were you um, focusing on art the whole time as well? I know you also do like um, anchoring and, and <laughs> and reporting and hosting to your own, you um, degree as well and so I'm just like how are you able to pair that identity with then getting through this institution and then finding mm-hmm. yourself in a place like Dallas
5: well you know um I've always been I've always considered myself a storyteller I love listening I love just listening to people talk and uh-huh. um, or exchanging I love to barter stories you know like oh you have a story I got one for you yeah too. so um
2: <laughs> the cheeseman the cheeseman
5: yeah and you know I didn't grow up with really um surrounded by the arts because in rural south texas or southwest texas we didn't have the teachers did the best that they could they really mm-hmm. did with the limited resources but we didn't have really programming we didn't have anything yet yet we created our own things i remember you know i would write my own skits or plays and you know have my primos act out you oh, know wow. and yeah, or, or we'd have we'd have shows on the porches you know what i mean we <laughs> and then i did you know the the one act play in the uil and stuff like that and we had I the love the teachers did the best that they could. Um, But, you know, in in college, I just wanted to be a storyteller and I saw journalism as a way to do it. And um, so I worked in in broadcast journalism for for several years, working for different TV stations. Now it was really hard. A a lot of times to, to sell a story that I felt was important not only to our, his Latino community, Mm -hmm. but to, to all of Dallas, you know, And it was very hard. I think it's I don't know if it's easier to sell those stories now. I don't know. Diane could probably, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was very challenging back then, you know, other than like, oh, well, that's that's for Hispanic media, Mm
1: -hmm. you know.
5: Um, But I did work in Hispanic media when I did. I worked for Univision. Um, Those stories, of course, were very easy to sell because it was it was um, it was impactful to our to our audience. But I believe those stories belong anywhere. And, and I admire people, storytellers like Diane Solis, that are bringing to light these stories that affect not just our Hispanic community, but all of us. It mm. is it is These are human stories. These affect all of us. So right. it was hard. It was hard. It was hard. And I think it still is. <laughs> so.
2: What is your favorite part um, about creating and residing in Dallas?
5: I think, you know, something about... Pleasant Grove makes me really identify with where I came from. Mm. There's the people with big hearts. There's people with a lot of talent. Oh, I don't make it emotional, but sure. there's, there's like, it's a community that's been ignored for so long mm. and it lacks resources. So when I, whenever I came to Pleasant Grove, I identified with Crystal City mm. and I was like, I'm not in Crystal City anymore, but maybe Maybe I could do something here to help, you know, because Absolutely. because our kids, our community, our elders deserve the same resources and opportunities mm-hmm. that, you know, that are available in North Dallas, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: So anyway, I love you, friend. I'm so Chiana. Me too. <laughs> you saw me earlier. I already cried five minutes into this show. So. Thank you for for saying that. I think that's the reality of what so much of our experience is in this city, right? Which is that we know the magic is here. We know the heart is here. Mm -hmm. We know the talent is here and the resources are here, but we deserve them. And And we we
5: don't want crumbs. And we don't
2: want crumbs. We want the baguette, right? We want the full bread and we deserve that because we are what makes this city amazing. And I appreciate you crying and sharing your passion and your heart and your emotion, because that is what people throw away from us, right? That's what people don't want to see from us. So that is your human natural reaction. And it was beautiful and it was necessary. So thank you for opening your heart with us because there is something beautiful and special about the grove. Oh yeah, that people know once you visit, or people know once you're homies with a bunch of folks from the Grove, right? There's something really special about PG. I like to call it B. I call it PG because yeah. I'm from PP, and I feel like <laughs> PG and PP have a quiet alliance I've made up in my head. But I love it. I'll take I, it. <laughs> I am I am really in awe of your work. You really have transformed this city beyond just Pleasant mm. Grove. For the record. And it really has everything to do with your heart and your compassion and your joy. You really you bring your beautiful smile and your and your laughter everywhere you go. And you can also dance and tear up a dance floor. Like you have <laughs> Thank so, you're many, so, kind. so many beautiful layers to you. And I'm, I truly um, love and admire you and your work. And I'm grateful that um, we were even able to hear a smidgen of, of your story today.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much, Eva. And I feel the same way about you. You know, Mm -hmm. you are so very talented in so many different ways and have impacted the community, you know, in different communities throughout Dallas. And I know, you know, the work that you're going to do is just, you know, the first time I met you, I'm like, and I'm not trying to be like weird or anything, but I'm like, this woman, this woman's a star, you know, like you just have this aura, this glow, this beauty about you. And you're like, you know, I want to know her. Aww. And I'm sure a lot of people
2: feel that way, you know, so thank you. I, I truly love you. And I truly appreciate that. And I feel like we are both standing in our magic and in our purpose <laughs> now. And I think that's, that's such a, a uh, an exciting thing, right? Because this world can be so so harsh and so difficult and so cruel and to find your magic and to live in that purpose and to thrive in that purpose and to love and smile in that purpose um, is really telling of one's character. So I really truly agree, appreciate your your words and your leadership and, and your love um, both in my life and just here in Dallas, Texas, because we we needed you. We needed you, Reppin. The Grove here oh, on Necolores Radio today. But I do want to ask because sure. we do have to wrap um, sure. a lot quicker than I'd like to, but because we're, we're trying to be mindful of time, mm-hmm. um, how is it that you maintain hope and that beautiful heart you have in yourself and in your work?
5: It's the people that in my community, the people I meet, we can't give up, you Mm -hmm.
0: know,
5: it's not just it's not when I'm doing something or trying to advocate for something, I never see it as something for me. Do it's about the community. It's about people. It's about future generations. If we give up hope, yeah. where were our where were our nephews and nieces and children and and all the people after us? What will what will happen to them? So we're doing this for them, just like our ancestors, mm. you know, moved mountains, crossed deserts, crossed oceans, crossed rivers. Just for us to exist, we need to do the same. Mm. We owe it to our ancestors and to our future and to the, to all the children of the future.
2: Ooh, I knew I brought the right people in today. <laughs> I really did. I, I needed that message today, friend. I, I think you're making me realize that the thing I'll miss the most about this podcast is how it became therapy for me. Because I was constantly moved and inspired and learning Um, from each person we brought on and that is such a tremendous gift because what you're saying is that though this can be really painful and complicated Mm -hmm. it is one another that makes it worth living
5: absolutely we have each other despite the circumstances despite you know people telling us we don't belong Mm -hmm. we know we belong and we are here for each other and they, there's nothing that
2: anybody can do or say to take that away from us. Amen. Wow. Mic drop. I knew I knew Priscilla Rice would bring me some heat. I just knew it. I, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I wish I could keep talking to you. I'm gonna have to text you after this. I wish we could all have had um, a family dinner after this. Diane put that in the chat and I absolutely agree. That would have been a uh, top five night of my life for sure, oh. because what a beautiful um, culmination of people we have in the room tonight, and whew, I'm, I, it's making me realize I am gonna miss this. As tired mm. as I am of of, of um, you know overworking myself, I am so so honored and grateful to have heard so many incredible stories through the years, and I'm I'm really glad to have you on with us tonight, Miss lovely beautiful rice because wow you you also are a star and please let us know where we can find your work and support your work i still need to get a copy of your book um i'm so excited and happy for you
5: thank you thank you so much you know lopa lopa mudra Banerjee, who's in a brilliant storyteller and, and poet gave me this opportunity to collaborate with her and i'm forever thankful and um you know this book was for women for women that look like us, you know, to give a voice for women and not only to give a voice, but to also to um, encourage uh, discussions, to bring some healing, to bring some, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling. So, you know, just uh, that we, we are beautiful. We are here. Estamos aquí y no nos vamos. Aquí nos vamos a quedar, you know, so. (laughs) I
2: love it. Thank you, friend. What is your, where do we find you on social media? Where do we buy the book?
5: Bueno, you can find it like any, like, Amazon, Walmart and different uh, platforms it's called we are what we are it is uh, what it, primal songs of ethnicity, gender and identity. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I always forget
2: that part. <laughs> That's okay. You know, you did the work already. You don't have to another
5: title. <laughs> I'm like, what's the title? Yeah.
2: (laughs) And where do we follow you on social media?
5: well You can follow me on Facebook, just common spelling Priscilla Rice. I am on Instagram, Scylla on the mic. I'm telling I'm liking more Instagram more than than Facebook, because you know, me dice que Facebook is para los viejos, my my... I might be guilty of saying that. The, I asked my I asked my son. Uh, he's like, "Mom, you're on Facebook. Nobody's on Facebook." I'm like, "Well, I am." You
2: know, listen. A lot of people are still. <laughs> my Mark Zuckerberg is making money because he runs Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. So he's he's happy with us using either one of them. But okay, whatever okay. works for everybody is fine. I think. That's also another conversation, right? It's like these platforms are for connection with each other. And now we're like, damn it, they're billionaires. (laughs) But anyways, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up the interview?
5: I just want to tell, you know, whatever people's dreams are, whatever it is, and it's in their heart, just don't give up, you know, be persistent be, you know, you get knocked down, get right back up, just keep take breaks, whatever you need to do. It's part of the journey, but just don't give up.
2: You'll get there. Mm. Don't give up. You'll get there. Thank you, Priscilla. That was beautiful. I love you. I love appreciate you. you. <laughs> and I we are going to make something happen soon. I know we will um we are getting ready to wrap the show which means I can now um jump into everyone's favorite maybe it's not everyone's favorite but they do like when I sing this part um because I like to say it's time for self-care corner oh my gosh I'm not gonna say that for that much longer um this week I have personally been processing through a lot of different things happening around me. And um, it's been difficult, to be very frank, um, because a lot of times we feel super impacted by things happening to other people. But those people are people we care deeply about and uh, are in our life. And so it affects us, too. And if you're like me, you might be the youngest of four daughters, so it affects you way too much and you carry it as your own. And I am really actively working on not doing this anymore because I grew up um, taking on everyone else's problems as my own and I have to actively undo that as an adult now. And it's hard because no one really taught me how to not do that. Um... So my self-care corner tip for myself this week and maybe for you too is to really truly focus on you and figuring out what that looks like. And if you tend to be a little bit more on the selfish side and you're thinking a little bit too much about yourself or centering yourself a little bit too much, take a step back and look at the outside of you. What are the people around you um, hoping for or dreaming of or looking to And how do we as people care and communicate with each other better to maybe not inflict harm and or just move with more love and care. And I know I sound like a broken record and I sound like the girl from Mean Girls that cries about rainbows and butterflies and a cake she wants to give everyone. But I am a Pisces and I am a soft girl um, even amongst many other things. But I I truly am a sucker for love and care and connection. And so I really am hoping that I can start to prioritize myself and my work and my dreams. And that's really what I'm uh, manifesting for this new era as we close up the podcast. And that is my self-care corner for this week. Um, I will bring in my darling sister, Pat, for our next segment. Hi. <laughs>
3: Welcome back. So um I wanted to shout out PG again because this coffee shop, which this is our black and brown business of the week. Um, Cafe Ciro, or Ciro, or yeah, the Cafe Ciro. I don't know if you've been there yet, Priscilla. You can maybe let me know in the chat. But I saw them. They came up on my TikTok, which I always think is funny how my algorithm works because I'm not there anymore, but probably because I still have a ton of friends in Dallas. Um, It came up on my For You page, and it's actually a Latina-owned business, first-gen Mexican from Durango, and she named the coffee shop after her grandfather. Um, And it looks really cute. Their coffee looks delicious. I definitely plan on going to try it when I'm in town this um, upcoming week or not few weeks from now uh, for our final recording. Um, You can find them at, let me give y'all the at. um, It's at the Cafe Ciro. So the T-H-E Cafe C-A-F-E Ciro C-I-R-O. Um, like I said, they are in Pleasant Grove, Latina-owned, first-generation Mexican-American. Um, definitely go check it out. And I also wanted to just give a shout out to Malcriadas. I know you recently attended their Dia de los Muertos event that they had, and you hosted a conversation on that. And they even just did that Footlocker launch um, that uh, that they just they just released this past week, I believe. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything else on that, but it did look like a beautiful event that y'all had. And um, I know that they've been waiting for a minute. I can't unmute. You have to mute yourself, girl.
2: I wow. You. Not you attacking me on our last episode. Jeez. <laughs> well, I'm cause
3: you just... kept talking and I was
2: like, Yes, that event was amazing. I really feel like we probably shouted out or made them a business or something because Marcriadas has been doing a lot of amazing stuff for a few Mm -hmm. years now. And so it's been really beautiful to collaborate with them on that event they had. So shout out to them. Please check out their stuff. They're doing a lot of amazing streetwear. Um, And it is Latina led, which is really beautiful to see. I did meet some exciting people at the event we vented Mm -hmm. at with them. So I did want to also shout out um, El Fantástico that had really tasty tamales that held me down that day. If you know me, you know I love tamales. Um, I'm not going to say I love it more than tacos because I'm not trying to start a riot, but I do (laughs) really feel passionately about tamales. Um, They also are called El Fantástico, and so they sell pan. They they specialize in baked goods, mm. and it is super tasty. Um, so you can find them on Instagram at El Fantástico or their website at elfantastico.com. El super cute Maranitos. They showed me little baby Maranitos that Aww. they made, and they can do, like, special um, orders, which is really beautiful. I also recently, we participated in another um, vendor market, at the library, Mm -hmm. and it was super, super um, cute, and we met Locura Dallas. I don't think we've done them before either, but super, super cute, delicious corn. I had the truffle corn, y'all, the elote. Elotes are going to the next level, um, but Locura has been around for a few years as well, and they really make some good stuff, so please find and follow Locura Dallas or visit locuradallas.com um for some really tasty bites. I believe our lovely guest Diane Solis is shouting out Luella's Bakery. And East Dallas, which is also um, immigrant-owned, so you got Ooh. options this week, y'all. There's a lot of. Really we gave options.
3: all the food options to try.
2: I feel like I feel like a kid that's like at the end of the road. So I'm just listing off every dream, wish, hope, person, place, and thing that I love mm-hmm. and know because I just want everybody. I just want everybody to support everyone all the time, and totally. um, these places are are, are really making good food and i'm hungry so we gotta wrap this show (laughs) and i think that means it's time for who you got with the coco (laughs) what are you consuming lately
3: so i'm still reading my same books that i gave last time but i wanted to shout out yaya bay i have you heard of her
2: that sounds familiar
3: i feel like you would know her because so the first song i heard of hers. Um, was called oh, you up. Oh, I think uh, I do know
2: who that and is. And she
3: just released an album this year. I think actually, like probably like within the last few weeks, called "Remember Your Um." Remember your North Star, which I thought was a really beautiful title. Um, and the the vibes are all like R and B, but it also still gives a little bit of hip hop too. Like she kind of gave me like a more slowed down version of Carrie Faux. I don't want to compare artists, but it gave me that similar vibe with this Maybe album. Maybe I
2: have them on a playlist and I didn't know. She's also
3: awesome plugging our Patreon. She's on my playlist that I just released yes. um, for my fall, fall time uh, playlist. She's on there. Um, so definitely if y'all are a Patreon subscriber, you can listen to my playlist, Lavender and El Rio. has her and eBay and a bunch of other people um, that are just Cool, like chill vibes as we get into the colder months. Um, she's from Brooklyn. I know she's on tour right now and has like a show in New York December 9th. And I just wanted to shout her out because um the album's really great. So Yaya Bay is my who you got. Who you got? Who you listening to? What you watching. And, well, I um you already gave your Black Panther thoughts. I don't know if you've got anything else to share.
2: I know. Um, Let's see. Who do I have? What do I got? I I think I mentioned last time I was watching way too much reality television, which Mm -hmm. used to not be me, but that's who I am now because I would like more um, opportunities to not overthink (laughs) in my life. Um, But I, uh, what am I consuming? My God! Did you finish Industry that season? I just I actually I actually just started watching Industry again. Actually, I know who my Who You Got is. All right, I, let's go. I really loved, um, I really love, I think it's one of my favorite shows, Rami. Aww.
0: Um,
2: it is like no other show I've seen on television ever. Um, and I think it really does something special for the immigrants' um, story. Aww. um And for the kids of immigrants. And so I really, really... Um, I'm excited to see where this show goes next because they touch on so many different topics
1: that mm-hmm. are typically
2: untouched or um, kind of scary and they're very fragile with it. And I, I really admire their writing and it's really motivated me um, to get back into my writing mm-hmm. bag. So Aww. I think I'm going to shout out Rami this week because I really love, I really love the show and um I can only hope to create something with as much intention and care um, as that show has. And then I have been kind of when I'm overwhelmed, I have to listen to really chill music. And I think I shouted her out a few weeks ago or months ago, but I'm listening to her again. And that's May Simones. It's M-E-I-S-E-M-O-N-E-S. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like kind of like a French Japanese vibe and I really, really love how peaceful it is. So that's kind of what I've been consuming lately. I think you
3: shared her on Instagram and I meant to go listen to her music. Yes. I will have to exchange playlists.
2: I, I will, I will, I have playlists. Yes, I agree. As you can tell, it's the end of the episode. It's almost two hours long and I'm starting (laughs) to lose my, uh, my, uh, My thoughts, but I am so grateful um, to have been on this beautiful journey with you, sister, and everyone who's been on this show. And I am in shock that this is what I'm saying right now. But we'll see Mm -hmm. you for our final episode um, in a couple weeks at the Arts Mission O'Cliff on December 2nd at 7 p.m. You can get tickets from our website at decoloresco.com. And it will be sliding scale. And you can also donate to us at DeColoresCo.com or become mm-hmm. a subscriber with us at Patreon.com slash DeColoresCo. we got um, merch. We've got merch, Pat. Oops, I was going to tell you to read this thing, but I already forgot what I'm saying. But I do <laughs> want to thank our guests diane ernest and priscilla for joining us it truly was a dream to have them all on as i uh, deeply admire their work and their heart um, and everything they are and what they bring to um, their own worlds and Mm -hmm. all of ours together so and special shout out to our squirrel friends homies and rider dies on patreon uh remember you too can become a financial supporter as we mentioned just a bit ago We'd love to keep growing, so if anything resonated with you in this episode or you just enjoy our work, please share it with everyone you know. We are on TikTok. We are on Instagram. Don't be afraid to reach out and follow us at the Colores Co, Tweet us, or maybe don't, because I don't know if Twitter's going <laughs> to It might be
3: dead by that time. Oh, I my
2: know. gosh. Just send <laughs> Send a pigeon to find me, and hopefully we connect in the. Find real us world on MySpace.
3: You find might be me. in our top five. Find
2: my Bebo and Exenka. Um, <laughs> but also please, please, please know that you can always um, email us at the Colores Collective at gmail.com. You can go to our website, thecoloresco.com, and you can find us and keep in touch with us that way because if all these websites go down, we still have to love and care for each other and check on each other and be Mm -hmm. inspired by each other. And I'm grateful to have built such a beautiful community with so many amazing people around us to keep building, keep growing, keep telling our stories, keep creating art to transform um, our world in the ways we want to see. Um, so keep fighting, y'all. Keep loving, keep caring, keep and healing, keep healing, keep transforming. Um, we love you, we appreciate you. And this is our last recording of the Radio wow. in this Dude, way. that
3: feels that's making me emotional,
2: you saying that. Well, what what wow. else you gotta say? Fam? I know,
3: I'm just like no, I'm just like, damn, with this really the last one we're recording? Ooh. okay, love
4: you, sis
2: love you too we're here we got each other yeah listen if i don't got this podcast i do got my sister pat so yes it's, it's a pat for life um thank you all for listening we love you all we thank you all please come out december 2nd um, De De Colores Radio, in Oak Cliff, 5. texas come give us hugs come give us love let's get some funding so we can keep creating magic and keep highlighting um the stars who make this De De world Love you guys. Have a Love good you. night. Good night. Bye.
3: Bye. My throat's so oh, my eyes started burning bro from crying.
2: Stop the record